Today I'm speaking about entering the kingdom. Reading from Luke chapter 4, verse 42. Early the next morning, Jesus departed from the people so he could be in a solitary place. But the crowd searched everywhere for him. When they finally found him, they begged him not to leave them, but to stay at Capernaum. But he replied, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other places too, for that is why I was sent. Jesus kept talking about a kingdom and people wanted to know what this kingdom was, especially the religious leaders and the Pharisees. Where was it? When would it come? What did it look like? Jesus' answer to them was that his kingdom was not in a geographical place and you couldn't plan its arrival with a calendar or describe its outward appearance as a visible organisation. He said it was not an external system, but an internal reality. He said it was in us and amongst us, something shared between us and God and us and one another. In Luke 17, it speaks of this. When asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them. The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or... There, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Jesus was underpinning that within you life as he withdrew into the place of solitude with his father, as we saw in the opening scripture. It said, early the next morning, Jesus departed from the people so he could be in a solitary place. He would be fortified by his father's love in that solitary place with his father. That love that flowed forth from him to the people. Jesus was telling them that he was bringing in a kingdom that was not a place, but rather a realm of God's supernatural activity and order, which was to operate here and now within those who had surrendered their authority to God's authority and their will to God's will. They would be people who have desired that their human nature be transformed by God's nature of love and justice and mercy, so that the power of the kingdom within would not be corrupted like the power of the kingdom of the world. When Jesus was betrayed by Judas and arrested by the temple guards, he was tried by the Jewish high priest and the council of elders and then handed over to Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor of Judea. When Pilate questioned Jesus about being king of the Jews, he asked him why he had been tried by his own people, why they had brought him to a Roman governor for trial. He asked Jesus what he had done, and why was he claiming he was their king? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting for me, and not allowing me to even be put on trial. But my kingdom is not of this world. That's in John 18, verse 36. Jesus did not ever urge his disciples to protest against Roman authority or consider any hostility towards Roman rule. But they were all convinced that the kingdom would be an outward kingdom ruled over by Jesus and that the Roman Empire would be overthrown, and that they would rule alongside of him with great power and authority. 
But Jesus did not come to try and change the outward kingdom in which his disciples lived. He came to establish the kingdom that would live within them. He said to them, when he was given a coin, he turned it over and said, whose face do you see? And they said, Caesar's. And he said, you render to Caesar's what is Caesar's and to God what is to God. That was the separation of church and state. Jesus went on to say that they could not behave like the Roman rulers or their own religious leaders who used their authority and position of power to dominate others to get what they want out of them. There was one occasion when the mother of James and John asked if her sons could sit next to Jesus on his throne, one on the right-hand side and one on the left, when he established his kingdom. It became clear by the reaction of the other disciples, of their anger and resentment at the two brothers, that all of them were coveting some special place in the order of this new kingdom, which in their mind would be happening any time soon, outwardly. It says that in Matthew chapter 20, verse 24. It says, when the ten heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. He told them that what they were all wanting for themselves was not even his to give. He said that Father had given them all to him and that Father alone gives place and position as he sees fit. He said that if they were to follow him, then they must follow all the way. He told them that true authority was serving one another, not competing with one another, and that he had been sent to serve, not to be served, and to lay down his life for others. That day they learned a lot about God and a lot about themselves and a lot about the kingdom. Jesus had to correct their tendency towards the power plays of political zealotry and activism, some of them more than others. Peter would not be slow in lopping off the ear of the temple guard when Jesus was arrested on the night he was betrayed by Judas. And Judas was the most zealous political activist of all, who was bitterly disappointed when he realised that Jesus had planned no imminent earthly kingdom. Those two brothers, James and John, whose mother wanted a place for them on the left and the right-hand side of the throne of Jesus, were also quite happy one day to ask Jesus to let them bring judgment upon the Samaritans, their political and religious opponents, by hurling some fire from heaven against their rejection of Jesus' message. Jesus rebuked them and said, You don't know what spirit you are of. That's in Luke chapter 9, verse 54. Many Christians today have a similar zealous political activism to that of those disciples. And it is a common and understandable misunderstanding to have because of the indignation that rises up in all of us when we see the corrupt power plays in the politics of this day. Jesus had to correct his disciples and prepare their hearts and minds to live in the power of a kingdom within them rather than seek the power in an earthly kingdom around them. There are many Christians that believe that the church will reorder every political and commercial and educational institution and every family and relational arrangement in the earth and bring it under God's rule so that Jesus can return to a kingdom of God on the earth that is ready and waiting for him to take up his rule, already put in order. 
Uh, we can certainly have a transformative influence upon the political and civil landscape when we're called upon to speak or act in a way that honours God and shines light into darkness in a situation that God has ordained for us. However, the Bible is clear that we cannot achieve a perfected earthly kingdom in this age where every kind of corrupted kingdom authority contests the word and the ways of God to maintain its flawed and limited power base. And the Bible says we are not here to judge the world. That is for him. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 12. The kingdom of God cannot be perfected until Jesus returns from heaven to put down all rebellion in the earth and in the heavens. 1 Corinthians 15, 24. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. And at that time it will come to pass that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's Philippians chapter 2 verse 9. We finally take our place with him in a new kingdom of a new heaven and a new earth. Until the time of his return, we live in an age where every kingdom on earth is being shaken. The only kingdom that cannot be shaken is the kingdom of God that is dwelling within us. It's in Hebrews chapter 12. God's kingdom is the experience and the influence of a community of people that love God and love one another. The other world is the world of division, competition, self-advantage and independence from God. Jesus asks us to choose what world and what kingdom we will be active in. Jesus asks us how much we care for him and how much we care for one another. God wants us to attract people to his kingdom and the Holy Spirit will take the love that we actively pour into being with God and with one another and he will draw people towards that love. We are creating a kingdom community for people to come into, not encouraging anxious or pushy or demanding people with political agendas, but growing people with a simple and meaningful walk of faith in God, not trying desperately to impress the world, but seeking to care for a broken world that God wants to heal with his love. The Holy Spirit is working within us to make us willing to do whatever the Father puts before us each day in the big things and the little things. If we provide the willingness, he will provide the grace and love and the power to do. He will give us wisdom in ethical and moral decisions that changes lives. He will give us strength to be there for someone else to help carry their load. He will comfort us in our affliction, so that we can comfort others in theirs. He will demonstrate to the world that the kingdom is here and now and in those who have truly entered into it because of their love for one another on display. Then others can be brought in. They'll be drawn in. Jesus came to bring in the kingdom
he will come again to complete it. Lord bless you all. Amen.